Welcome to In the Middle of It. I'm Amy Kelly, and I am passionate about supporting you on the front lines with your middle schoolers. As a former middle school teacher myself and a parent to two teens of my own, I get the roller coaster season that you're in. That crazy making, joy inspiring, incredibly fun, and sometimes frustrating ride of loving the teens in your life. Each week, I'm going to be sharing actionable stories and strategies to encourage and equip you on your journey. If you're a parent or a teacher who's looking to forge a connection that lets your teens know they are seen, heard, and loved, and if you are ready to show up as the grown-up they need, you are in absolutely the right place. Let's get started. Well, hey there and welcome, friends. I am so excited about this episode, so I am going to jump us into it pretty quickly. But before I do that, I'm going to kind of set the groundwork. So I am talking to my friend Erica Wright again, and we are following up on the previous episode we did together by diving into what it looks like to start the repair process when you have an argument or a fight with your teen or with anyone really. Now, Erica has a step-by-step process for what to do when you're in the heat of the moment of an argument. And then she also has another step-by-step process for what to do after an argument. Today, she's going to be sharing those heat of the moment steps. And in our next episode, we'll dive into what we do after we've had some kind of conflict, argument, or fight with our teens or, again, um, with our romantic partners, spouses, parenting partners, really pretty much anyone in general. Now, Erica's focus is on romantic partners and the skills that she teaches definitely apply, like I said, to all kinds of relationships. In fact, we've talked before about how much our work aligns. So even though she is working, you know, again, with romantic partners, and I am working primarily with middle school parents and teachers, the skill set is the same. So Erica's a relationship coach and a connected communication specialist, and she empowers individuals, couples, and families to cultivate deep emotional connection, trust, and love using the power of connected communication. Now, I have to say, I love her philosophy that incredible relationships don't just happen they're created, right? And that's what we talk about a lot here on the In the Middle of It podcast is being super intentional about our relationships with our teens. I also love that Erica is passionate about sharing the practices and tools that are needed to create the kind of love and connection that we desire and deserve. So she is an expert in identifying the root of relational and communication issues by really looking at subconscious habits and patterns. So her work coaching people within their relationships focuses on rewiring subconscious habits, patterns, and blocks so that you're free to create an adventurous life full of peace, love, and freedom. Okay, friends, I am just going to let you know ahead of time, you are going to want to grab your notebook and something to write with because you're going to want to write down a lot of what Erica is talking to me about. So let's dive in and get started. I am so excited to have Erica Wright with me again this week, and we are going to be continuing our conversation that we started in the last episode about the repair process within your relationships. I was going to say with your kids, but I think this 
really applies all the way around. So I am super excited because Erica, I think you said you are sharing really some concrete practical steps today to help when you have had a blow up or an argument with your partner or with your kids or with a friend or with whomever. And before you jive into that, I would love for you to just go over, this was the thing that stuck out with me Mm. in the last episode so much. Can you go over your 30, 30, 30 principle? Because I think normalizing things is so helpful. Absolutely. So happy to be back again. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I am a relationship coach and communication specialist, and I do focus primarily on romantic relationships. And this 30-30-30 cycle of relationship, what that is, is that there's 30% of the relationship where we are feeling connected and seen and heard and things are just in flow. And then there's the next 30% where we're feeling disconnected or the connection has been severed, whether that's a disagreement or an argument or just energetically you guys are off. And then the last 30% is the repair and the reconnecting phase. And that 30-30-30 can happen literally in an hour, in a day, (laughs) in a week. We cycle through that 30-30-30 relationship cycle just all the time. That is the nature of relationship. It's been scientifically proven that that's just the breakdown of many healthy, conscious relationships. Right. And I'm laughing because I'm like, it could be in an hour. Oh, yes. (laughs) In my house, for sure. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We have also talked about, again, in the last episode, just how important repair is to the onlookers, not just to the two people or however many people who are in a state of disconnection or Mm -hmm. arguing or however you want to put it. But the people who are onlookers really feel the same kind of stress. They mirror the same kind of stress in their bodies as the people who are actually in the conflict. Totally. And the innocent bystanders often are the ones that suffer the longest. Uh And the reason why is because we focus on repairing with the person that we fought with, but we totally miss the repair and the acknowledgement of the impact of the innocent bystanders. So they just kind of get left in the dust a lot of the time, whether that's another parent, if it's a child parent argument or an innocent little brother like mine, (laughs) (laughs) we forget that there is a disconnect, a rupture of connection, a fight argument. We forget that there's actually multiple repairs that need to be done. Yes. With that initial person, but anyone else who is impacted, they also need a repair with you to feel safe again and to kind of regulate themselves. And I was just thinking as you're describing this. It sounds a little overwhelming. I'm feeling Mm. a little breath is quickening a little bit. I feel a pit in my stomach because I think it sounds like it could be complicated, but Mm. I think once you have the tools, it's a lot easier to put it into practice and it's not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not super complicated to be able to implement. It's totally true. And I'm going to go super simple to start. And then I will go through my steps that have a little bit more detail, but super, super simple. If there is an argument, let's just say, you know, parent to parent, you can repair 
with that person by acknowledging the impact that you've had. And it doesn't even have to be an, I'm sorry. It's just in, wow, when I did this, this happened and I see that that hurt you. So acknowledging the impact is so key. Just repairing with that person and then noticing who are the innocent bystanders. For parents, there's probably kids there. And so just noticing and remembering that, oh yeah, the kids, we can involve them in this repair. You could do it all at once if you repair in front of the kids. Just tuning in and acknowledging impact. That's as simple as repair could get is just acknowledging impact. It'll become second nature because even though this concept might be new, When you sense that your child is worried or frightened or uncomfortable, I'm sure mother, child, father, child, you know, when your kid's not doing okay. And so it'll just be second nature to, oh yeah, what can I say to help them regulate again? I don't even think you'll have to think too hard about it. (laughs) Right. I really like the simplicity of you're just stating things. You're stating what you've observed, which means you have to be observing. Like there's that piece of it, but it's almost as simple as validating. Hey, I see, I said this and I see that really triggered you and I am sorry. It really can be as simple as that. Stating the facts, the observation, and then validating and empathizing. And that's something that kind of process, I think they call it safe conversation these days. It's by Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt, but they do the mirroring, validating and empathizing process. They call it safe conversation, but just acknowledgement people. We all just want to be seen and heard, understood. Okay. So that was the simple, (laughs) I know, I know way of doing it, but I know you have some more refined process of of how to do it. So I'd love to hear more about that. So with repair and gosh, with any conversation where emotions get heightened, we really want to separate it out into inside the moment and outside the moment. There's just a different set of tools inside the moment versus outside the moment. And what I mean by that, it's pretty self-explanatory, but when you're in the heat of the moment and words are flying and energy is flying back and forth, there's something you can do inside the actual moment. And would you say that inside the moment, would it be fair to say that that's kind of maybe when you're in your fight, flight or freeze response? Yes. In the moment you or your partner or both will be triggered. That's inside the moment. And then I will give you a little three-stepper for what to do inside the moment. And then I'll also give you a four-stepper for how to repair outside the moment. Inside the moment is a little bit of a band-aid, whereas the outside the moment repair is where the actual reconnection comes full circle and gets completed. When you're in the heat of something, let's say you notice your partner is getting triggered in some way. And when I say trigger, it's just strong emotions are happening. And just depending on the severity of the person, it may be a big T trauma response happening over there. But most of the time, it's just like, whoop, emotions are strong. Something happened and you can see it. You can sense it. We know in the person over there, at least we can catch on pretty quickly when we can see that our partner's triggered. The first step is just after you've noticed something's going on, just breathe super big, deep breath. And that is basically to bring your body back into the present moment. And both partners are on board. That's great. (laughs) If we both have that tool and kind of remember just to slow down 
take a breath. That breath alone can bring our body back down into neutral. Because the whole point of this inside the moment little process is just let's get back down to neutral. Let's de-escalate the trigger. Take a deep breath, pause a second, slow it down. And that'll just reconnect you with your body, bring you back here, not all up in here in your head. And then what you can do, especially so if you're noticing your partner triggered, the next step is say a reassuring statement. We know our partners pretty well. (laughs) And even if you don't, you know what a reassuring statement might be. And really, again, John Gottman from the Gottman Institute calls these repair attempts It's any attempt to de-escalate or neutralize a trigger. And it's really, you can just say something that's reassuring. You can use humor. That's one of my favorite ways. It can be super simple, but just something that stops things from escalating. Can Um, you give me a practical example of how that might be done? Yeah, absolutely. So again, if you're the one noticing your partner getting triggered, you can say, hey, honey, ooh, I realized I just said that. XYZ, again, neutral fact. I said that and I realized it had an impact on you. And ooh, I'm so sorry. I just didn't mean that. Or with humor, bringing the playfulness into it. Of course, it's all going to be so circumstantial, but right. even like a little wink can be can be a repair attempt where it's right. like, okay, I see we're getting feisty and just a little wink. And yeah, this requires you being attuned to your partner to know, okay, they're flipping back into humor. This is their attempt to chill us out here. I'm laughing as you're saying that because I think my husband and I do that without even realizing the technicality of what we're doing. Totally. You know, because a lot of times we'll say, wow, did that just come out of my mouth? Or or if we're on the receiving end, we'll say, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? (laughs) Which tone is very important there because that could be end up being, sorry, could you repeat that? You know, like snarky, but can keep it light and fun. That's exactly, exactly. And by now, I hope you know what your partner might need in that moment. Even might just be a physical touch, a hug, just whatever it may be. But you can think about it this way because the root of these triggers typically come from childhood. And so the way I like to think about it too is, okay, your partner's over there triggered we kind of revert into toddler teenager mode when we're triggered, right? And so it's like, what would a five-year-old want to hear from a parent right now? Comforting, nurturing, whatever it may be. Even if you still think you're not in the wrong at all, this is all about de-escalating the moment because nothing happens once you're both triggered and nothing gets solved. The whole purpose of these repair attempts is just neutralize so that you can come back around and have that outside the moment repair conversation. So inside the moment, I'm so about habit and training our brain because just we get our habits in life. We don't get what we want. We don't get what we think we want. We just get our habits. Part of this process too is step three. I just say notice, notice that your partner's calming back down. You're calming back down and feel proud that, wow, oh, I just de-escalated that. Cool. Or my gosh, oh, my partner just helped me calm back down. That's amazing. Just like right. really celebrating that little inside the moment win. Having self-awareness. Totally. Being aware. All, all of this work is self-awareness. And the more we're connected to ourselves, the more we can connect to others. Well. Right. Well, and I like the noticing step because I do feel like it's kind of positive reinforcement yes. here because I do know from having practiced this 
not exactly this process, but, but being aware in the moment and trying to change the trajectory of things, you do get this shot of dopamine of like, oh my gosh, I changed it. I really changed the pattern this time around. Right there in the moment. For me, excitement in the moment of, okay, I did this differently. This is good. I'm showing up differently. I just think you're reinforcing yourself. Exactly. And this is a fun fact too, because I just love the neuroscience behind all this is so people love to be right. (laughs) <laughs> My last name is right. So bickering <laughs> and fighting to be right. We get yes. addicted to that because it does release these little temporary hits of dopamine. However, when you actually can drop the fighting to be right and move more into a conscious conversation where you're seeking to understand you're connecting, you're validating and empathizing with your partner over something that actually releases oxytocin in the brain, which is the bonding connection. Oh, it's the happy hormone. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. We could have this temporary hit of dopamine fighting to be right. But then when you're right, your partner's left wrong. And then one person's unhappy, the relationship is unhappy, or we can just set that temporary satisfaction hit of dopamine aside and go for the long-term oxytocin connection. That's actually, it's much more beyond that. I'm really glad you brought this up because I do feel like what we're talking about hinges on your priority for the conversation that you're having. And I think if your priority is to end up being the one right at the end, this is not going to work. I think have to shift your priority to what we're looking for is understanding what we're looking Mm -hmm. for is connection and relationship. I think there are hills that you want to die on for sure, especially Mm -hmm. in parenting. But I also think that if your only goal is to be right, you're sacrificing your relationship. For oh, sure. yeah. And yourself. Right. I mean, I definitely work with people where their partner is just not interested. They don't want to do this work. They don't want to dive in. I help people who want to single-handedly transform what's going on in the dynamic. And at first it's like, why the heck am I doing all this work? Mm-hmm. And then we look a step further and it's like, oh, I'm doing this for me. It's really your level of happiness and connection and satisfaction is going to just skyrocket. <laughs> When you're focusing on, I'm going to drop my need to be right. Let's focus on connection. If you're in a point, oh, well, they're not, you know, whatever, but okay, be selfish. This is ultimately helping you at the end, (laughs) in the end game. That's a good mindset shift. It is. That doing this work is ultimately for your best benefit. It really is. It really is. And yes, the byproduct is beautiful relationship, happy family, connected family. This work is for you. You don't have to have your partner on board doing it with you. Exactly. Or your team. I think that that Mm, is a really, really good point here because we absolutely can talk to our partners about this and set an expectation or Mm -hmm. a common commitment or goal towards doing this. And I think we can model this and talk to our teens about it. I also think this is when they're practicing a lot and they're still developing. So, oh yeah, I, I would say, because I think I talked about this before where it's a struggle for me Mm-hmm. to apologize. Mm-hmm. And my knee jerk is to try to stay in that right yeah. position. And I see that struggle in one of my kids as well. And that has been our work with this particular kid of ours is mm-hmm. really helping them get to the point of apology and reparation rather yeah. than just leaving the loop open. And so you're always kind of in a state of you don't know it's uncertainty and that kind of thing. So really working with our team to teach them how to repair graciously 
And this takes humility and vulnerability too. Oh yeah, definitely. And I would have to imagine that the more that you do your work around this, it's just like a domino effect. I think what I'm trying to say here too, is that we can't demand this of our teens. We can model it. We can discuss it. We can try to teach them about it and teach about the process, but it's up to them whether or not they adopt it. And as with all things with parenting, we're in the long game. So it might not show up right away. They might not mirror us in this just because of the contrary nature that's there and the Mm -hmm. whole rejecting because they're trying to find their own identity and that kind of thing. But in the long run, I think it makes the impact. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love that term exploring what's developmentally appropriate. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) expecting your teen to do this eloquent repair is just not realistic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't mean they're not absorbing it for later. Exactly. Their subconscious mind is definitely picking up on all of it and storing it and recording it, even if they're not following through with the actions. Right. And what I've seen too, especially with stuff like this, what I watch for is what they're doing with their friends. Because they will extend these courtesies and kindnesses to their friends sometimes Mm -hmm. before they will family. Absolutely. So true. And something that just came in for me is so emotion and like feeling is so important in all of this because everything we do and everything we don't do is all in an effort to feel better, feel good. That's just human being thing. We just want to feel good. And so that could be a really cool story to share with a child, a story of apology. Hey, I was really resistant. And I thought if I apologized that this, this, and this bad would happen and blah, blah, blah. But then here's how I apologized. And then here's how I felt afterward. Yeah. So they can see that kind of like end goal, that end game of here's what's possible. You probably feel resentful and in the non apology. Right. But then after the apology, like here's what's the relief. Yeah. The relief feelings. Oh, I love that. Telling them the story of your apologies and when it's been hard and difficult. And I think it's fair to say sometimes there are great, good results, but there are often ones that are are not as great, but that's okay too, because you still are going to feel better afterwards because you've done your part. So even if it wasn't effective in the relationship, yeah, which happens, you still have the benefit of the good, happy feelings from are not happy necessarily, but comforting feelings of satisfaction and I've done the right thing and all that. Owning your part, acknowledging your your part, owning your part. (laughs) I love that. So hard, but so good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So those three steps, just to recap, are breathing, repair attempt, or just saying something to neutralize. Right. You could say neutralize, breathe, neutralize, breathe, neutralize, and notice, notice. breathe, neutralize, Mm -hmm. notice. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So that's inside the moment. Mm -hmm. And then let's move to outside. Yeah. So outside the moment, this is where the real lesson is learned. There's an opportunity to heal that trigger and get to the root of it. Thank you so much, Erica. This is such practical information. Breathe, reassure so that you can neutralize the situation and notice. Those are all things that we can do, right? And I know that this is something that as soon as you are finished listening to the podcast, you can use it right away. And Erica and I would love to hear about how you guys are putting this into practice this week. So just tag us or DM us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. You can find us. I'm at the Ish Girl Reads on Instagram and Erica is at 
the right Erica, and that's right as in her last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, Erica. So the right Erica. And there are actually links to both of our Instagram accounts in the episode show notes that you can find at theishgirl.com forward slash EP151. And as I mentioned in the introduction to this episode, Erica does work with people as a relationship coach. So if you want to work with her, please be sure to visit those show notes where I have links to all of the places that you can find her and work with her. I know she does one-on-one coaching. She also does some different group classes that are self-paced. So if you are looking for that kind of resource, she is fabulous. So check her out. All right. Thank you guys so much for hanging out today. I so appreciate you sharing your time with me and be sure to watch for the next episode when Eric and I talk about the four steps for what to do after an argument. And this is where it gets really juicy, friends. So you don't want to miss it. Okay. From an ish girl who is actually feeling some heat in this moment while book challenges and book bans and holy cow, I cannot even believe this is happening in 2022, book burnings are going down. You can watch my rant about this on Instagram Reels, but I just want you to know, friends, I'm so grateful to be in the middle of all this together. 